Hello and hey there. Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast, the show where we rank and discuss any list you can imagine. Best surfboard, top bowling ball, best ninja stars. Nothing is off limits. Everyone is wrong, even when we think we are right. I'm your host, Tom Lockhart, and with me as always is... Eric Shane. How you doing, Tommy? I'm doing pretty good. What have you been up to? Oh, you know, just sweating because we're hitting a bit of a heat wave right now. So sweating a lot. What about you? I am also sweating a lot and I don't like it one bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good with it. It's good. It's it's summer. It's supposed to be hot. We're supposed to be sweating a little bit. You got to be drinking plenty of fluids, though. Well, I've been drinking plenty of fluids because of the whole COVID thing. So I'm good to go. (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, boy. You, you know, right as you real... said that. <laughs> what? Sorry, right as you, right as you said that, Julio Rodriguez hit a home run. So, yay, he's back. Yay. Okay. You know who else hits lots of home runs? Who? I don't hit. I don't hit any home runs. I've, I've never hit a home run in my life. I love sports. I am an athlete for certain things, but I am not a an athlete that can hit home runs. And this is Zach Rancourt. Mm-hmm. I have also never hit a home run because I never played baseball. Just wasn't my sport. <laughs> I hit a bunch, but I played for like 12 years. So, you know, yeah, I hit a bunch. Well, look at you, Mr. Ken Griffey Jr. We get uh, it. You're, you're popular. We all, we all tried to emulate, you know, but I remember the coaches got pissed off at us because we put our hats on backwards and, you know. It's like, none of you can swing like him. Stop trying. <laughs> no, it well, yeah, that too. It was definitely the, I want to be left-handed because Griffey's left-handed. It's like, you're you're not, you're just not. Stop it. It's not gonna happen. Just, well, that's your that's your first problem. You tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, trying is for losers, I believe. Wayne Gretzky said that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's uh, yeah. Okay, I think that's the quote. Uh, I'm gonna give you two names: Aladdin and Tom Brady. What do they have in common? Penises. No one knows. <laughs> well, yes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's under Aladdin's stuff. I don't even know what's oh, under Tom Brady's full, stuff. The full Ken doll? Okay. I don't know. I was just... <laughs> Well, one of them has a pet monkey and a magic carpet, and the other has enough jewelry to fill the hidden cavern in Aladdin. He's got all those rings. He's the best. Oh, uh, but the key here is both of them were diamonds in the rough. We got a street rat turning into a prince, and we got the 199th pick becoming the goat. Uh, We can find hidden gems in all aspects of life, uh, but today we will be discussing our top five streaming hidden gems. And to clarify, that is movies, TV shows, and documentaries. You can pick any of them. Whatever your heart really loves. To enhance discussion, we didn't share our lists with each other. As usual, we are by no means experts or historians in said category. We are just a couple of dudes who like to talk about nonsense. And I will start it off with my first hidden gem, which is a horror movie that came out in 2014 called Creep. And you can stream it on Netflix. It has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I actually didn't realize it had that much. Um, It stars uh, Mark Duplass, which most people will know him as Pete from The League, and Patrick Bryce, who plays Aaron. And the plot of the movie is Mark Duplass's character, Joseph, looks for a videographer on Craigslist to come and film him for a video he wants to give to his son because he is dying of cancer. So the whole movie is just the two characters, one of them's videotaping the other in a cabin in the woods, and there's weird moments, and then things start to go real strange. And it kind of fluctuates between strange and kind of like, oh, this guy's actually likable. And... I don't want to ruin it, but someone in this movie is a real creep. <laughs> and uh, I love this movie. Uh, I actually just watched it again the other day when we came up with this topic. I watched a couple of my movies and I I enjoyed this the second time around too. Um, I only knew Mark Duplass from the league. And then I've seen him in other things and it's like, oh, 
he's like a totally different guy than than the the league guy. This, uh, yeah. So, have either of you seen Creep? No, but I know what it is. Uh, and and they made a second one, I believe. Creep yes, two. they did. He, which is good. Martin Plus is. Yeah, Martin Plus is okay. I, I'm not as enamored with him as everyone else is. Um, I know that a lot of people are at least, but I don't really have a desire to watch Creep. But you know what? That's funny because you're actually not the only person that has told me that it's really good. So maybe I should just stop being a curmudgeon and just watch it. Yeah, just watch it. It's it's pretty short, I believe. And I agree. Mark Duplass is real hit or miss when it comes to things. Like there's some things where I really like him and some things where it's like, oh, this is a slog to get through. Tom, does, does he want a perfect body? Does he want a perfect soul? Does he float like an angel? <laughs> All of those things are true about him. creep. <laughs> Uh, okay, that that was a journey, but thank you for taking this on. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, go watch it on Netflix. I think I will. Uh, I don't watch a lot of creepy horror stuff. I, I just don't. It's just not something that interests me um, for recreation, I guess. <laughs> but I do like haunted houses and, you know, Mandy works in one in October. So I think come October, come spooky season. Uh, I was thinking about doing some reaction videos to some movies and stuff I hadn't seen. So maybe I'll add creep to the list and also some scary games streaming, like some spooky games, like, you know, oh, yeah. jump scare stuff. Great. Yeah, I've, I've seen some before, like Five Nights at Freddy. Like, that's terrible. That's <laughs> the worst. It's awful. Why would you do that to yourself for the lulls? That's the answer. It's the only acceptable answer for the lulls. Agreed. <laughs> Uh, Eric, what? what is your first one? Oh, real, real quick, did you say what it was streaming on? Uh, Netflix. Okay, it is available on Netflix. Okay, perfect. Yes, both one and two. Ooh, yeah, there you go. Double feature night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Eric, what, what's your first one? Well, my first one kind of riffs off of, uh, and, you know, before I even get into that, my list is, I hope it's acceptable because I don't watch a whole lot of hidden gems. I don't watch a lot of TV shows anyway. I'm trying to catch up on stuff I missed because for, you know, eight years I was, you know, working full time overtime slash going to college full time or halftime at least. So it's like I missed out on so many things. I just didn't have the time for it. So I my list is some of some of the stuff is from like further back that I feel like people forgot about that are still relevant today, but not this first one. This first one is sort of a riff off of last week where my number one was D&D. That was the first game I mentioned, the first last episode. Uh, this is a show based on a D&D group, and it's called The Legend of Vox Machina, and it's on Amazon Prime. Now, this has a 100% on the tomato meter. Wow. Uh, it, and, it, and it did get some publicity, but the reason I'm mentioning is is because it's on Amazon Prime, which is like the eighth best way to watch TV, <laughs> as, <laughs> as joked about on Family Guy. Um, and it, it is a show about a D and D based group. So that's a real niche market right there. You know what I'm saying? It's, this is not meant for, you know, only anyway, they, they did a really good job. They tried to make it really accessible for so many people. If you've never watched their streaming show, uh, critical role on Twitch or YouTube, if you, if you're unfamiliar with D and D that's, it's still cool. You could still jump right in and watch these uh, episodes of the legend of Vox Machina and have fun and enjoy it. Um, it is the early story uh, of a va- fantasy adventuring party named Vox Machina. Uh, it's run by a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors from that internet D&D show on Twitch and YouTube called mm-hmm. Critical Role. Uh, the actors who made the characters reprised their roles for the animated show, uh, which they crowdfunded and received unprecedented support. Um, originally, they were going to make a single animated episode because they all have animation backgrounds. They're voice actors. This is what they do for a living, right? Um, They were going to see if they can make like a 22 minute prequel uh, episode of Vox Machina. And they needed to raise $750,000 in order to do that because you got to get a studio to basically stop doing what they're doing to block off the time to create a whole new show from scratch. And like, it's, it's a thing, right? Um, if you have a full series arc, the per episode cost is much smaller anyway. So they needed 750,000 and they had a 45 day Kickstarter with stretch goals up to like a million. If they could get a million, then they'd have two episodes. They got three and a half million within the first like 12 hours. 
immediately, like uh, right away, three and a half million. And ultimately they raised, I think, uh, well over $11 million for the whole. Oh, so they're like, oh. holy crap. And, um, ended up getting it onto Amazon prime because they saw, Hey, there's legs to this thing. <laughs> they have a ready-made fan base with professional actors ready to go right in a professional studio making the show. So, uh, I will tell you right now, if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, it, it while it is animated, it's not for children in the slightest. There is graphic violence. There is adult language and full frontal cartoon nudity all in the first couple minutes. Hot. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. it's it's pretty, pretty great. But again, if you're not super familiar with D&D, it's actually really great. There's that movie coming out next year. Uh, D&D. I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for it. With, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're curious about it and you're intrigued by the movie coming out next year, if you want an idea of how weird and silly and also serious and deep a D&D campaign can get, I do recommend checking out Legend of Vox Machina. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's only eight episodes. They're about uh, uh, they're, they're pretty short episodes. So, you, yeah, go ahead and uh, go ahead and check it out. Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very good representation of how D&D actually goes because <laughs> right. just crazy stuff happens. And that's how D&D is. And we're all a bunch of weirdos, just like the weirdos in the show. <laughs> Plans always fail until they don't. And then they're amazing. <laughs> yes. And that, and you made the right choice. <laughs> and no matter how badass you are, uh, there's always a bigger cat right around the corner. Who's going to fuck you up. So, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it, I, I really, really enjoyed the show. I think everybody would enjoy the show if they give it a chance. So, uh, go ahead and watch it. Uh, that's my number one. Cool. The legend of Vox Machina. That's right. On Amazon prime. Cool. Okay, so should I go? Is it my turn now? I believe it's your turn, sir. All right, uh, do you guys like to laugh? No. <laughs> do you guys like sketch comedy? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. But I don't I, like when it's funny. Oh, you don't like when it's funny. <laughs> um, okay, so have you ever met somebody who's just annoyed the shit out of you or said the most cringy things and you're just like, all right, I need to kind of just get out of here? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so Tim Robinson, the creator of this show, uh, does exactly that. And his goal in the show is to make you actually just turn it off. It's called I Think You Should Leave, and it is on Netflix. It is a sketch comedy show from Tim Robinson, who he was a writer for SNL for eight years, and he had done some other things here and there. Um, the show is only about 16 minutes long. But he spends he spends segments in it because, again, sketches driving people to the point of needing or desperately wanting to just basically leave. And it's awkward. It's weird. But it is so goddamn funny. Um, Hmm. I love sketch comedy. And so Portlandia is one of my more favorite sketch comedy shows. This is like Portlandia, except on on cocaine. It's some of them kind of fall flat for me a little bit, but other ones I'm dying of laughter because it's so weird and I quote it all the time, but I absolutely love it. So if have either of you seen, I think you should leave. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little confused. So, so he, it's, he's like a sketch he's running, but he's the only one who's aware he's in the sketch. No, it's... no, 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 no. So okay. sketch comedy is basically a whole bunch of little vignettes. Think of SNL. Yeah. Except yeah, 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 not yeah. in front of a live audience, but they plan out these, these sketches and you film it. And there's probably like six sketches in a 16 minute episode. Right. Um, okay. And, and so each one has a different, Storyline, plot line, whatever. Some of them kind of overlap. There's only two seasons. Uh, it is on Netflix, but there's only two seasons and they kind of overlap here and there. But they basically don't really make that much sense, but they kind of do. It's hard okay. to explain. So essentially, there's one, for example, where he he's at a friend's birthday party and the friend is opening gifts. The friend opens a gift from another friend and is like, oh, whoa, this is so cool. This is exactly what I needed. I needed a new Sultan's pepper shaker. And Tim Robinson is in the sketch and he's kind of just a bystander looking by and he's like, oh, yeah. And he goes, hey, open my present. So the guy, the friend opens his present and he looks at it and he's like, it, it, you know, it's it's a wreath because, you know, you, you said you needed a wreath and for the door. He's like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. And he puts it to the side and Tim Robinson is kind of like, OK, uh, did you did you like it, though? And he's like, 
yeah, yeah, I liked it. He goes, because there's, you know, there's a gift receipt in there. If you don't, if you, if you don't want it, you can return it. But did you like it? He's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. And then, so he continues opening presents and he goes, yeah, but I mean, so did you, did you need the gift receipt? Because if you liked it, you don't need the gift receipt and <laughs> makes it really, really awkward. And then he's like, so then give me the gift receipt back. And he's like, no, why are you making this weird? And he's like, well, cause I'm going to eat it. Cause you really like the, the wreath. So, so you don't need the gift receipt. So I'm just going to eat it. And then it goes off the rails. Like I, that's all I'll tell you. I promise you just sit and try to watch it for, they're only 16 minutes uh, for each episode, which has like four or five or six sketches in it. It is so fucking funny. If anything, I think Tom would laugh the most from it. Eric, I think yeah. you would too. I just think it's more up Tom's alley. And uh, I was laughing from you just describing that one scenario. That, sounds pretty that great. really I'm, doesn't I, seem like it was very funny, but for some reason I was just like giggling at it, just you describing. It's so, I love awkwardness is great. It's That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's, it's the most cringy, awkward humor but it, it it works for me as a whole, and I absolutely love it. Like, there's one where he, a guy's in an office building, and he's like a bigwig, and he's getting ready to eat lunch, so he has a hot dog. But then a gal comes in and is like, hey, Tim, you know, we need you in the office, or in, in the meeting, uh, John called a last-minute meeting, and he's like, but it's lunchtime. Like, I have to eat. He's like, yeah, but, you know, he has to take a flight, so we're going to have to do the meeting now. And he's like, but, but it's lunch. So he sneaks the hot dog into his sleeve <laughs> and then he just keeps putting his head on his desk uh, during the meeting and he's eating pieces of the hot dog <laughs> and he has his hand on his face like this and he just keeps trying to do it. <laughs> it just goes off the freaking rails, dude. It is so funny. But yeah, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. That's what it's called. And it, it is on Netflix for anybody who wants to, to, to check it out. I do want to check that out. It's, I love Monty Python, uh, so sketch comedy yeah. is funny. I, I, yeah. And some of them fall kind of flat for me, but other ones I'm I'm in stitches because I'm laughing so hard. The hot dog of the sleeve, that's a that that's that's got Tom written all over it. You I'm can't, not about to you can't I mean, skip lunch. <laughs> real life Tom. Yeah. It's, oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, I'll watch it tonight because you've you've hit something with me and I'm just gonna have to because I know I've passed it several times on Netflix. And I'm I always hope, just like, eh. So the yeah the first few episodes are really good and then there's one from the first season with uh, I just closed the thing so I can't remember his name but you'd recognize the guy from different movies he is a host of a world's cutest baby show TV show and it's just kind of like an American Idol style thing and it's so funny one of the babies <laughs> is named um, Harley something and they're like fuck you Harley Davis like the, the crowd they're yelling <laughs> at this baby and he's like hey get him out of here get him out of here. <laughs> It's so stupid, but I was dying laughing. It's so funny. So, okay, anyways, yeah. I've got I've got it queued up. All right, I've got the first episode queued up, ready to go. It'll be the cool. first thing I watch when we're done. <sighs> I hope you like it. If not, it's okay because it's not for everybody. But um, I totally love it. So. All right, that's a good first suggestion, man. Yeah, there you go, Thomas. Next to you. Well, well, speaking of hot dogs up sleeves, um, my next movie has somebody who's who's known in a different role for having pocket dogs. Um, so my next movie is The Long Dumb Road, which is starring uh, Jason Manzukis and Tony Ravlori. I believe is his name. Rivioli, sure. Yeah, I think it's Tony. Um, Jason Jason Manzukis is uh, Rafi from the league, so I went with another person mm-hmm. from the league. But he's known for having uh, pocket dogs, which is like a dream. I wish I had a pocket dog, and people wouldn't oh, look man. at me like I'm a weirdo. I'm surprised we're not having hot dog um, pocket dog right now. Uh, this movie is also on Netflix and has a 75 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, um, and it's all it is is a, a road trip movie. Um, Tony's character, he's going off to college and he kind of breaks down at a gas station and Jason Manzukis's character is getting fired from the gas station slash mechanic that's there. And he helps him like get his car started and then gets a, gets a ride from him. And then just shenanigans happen from there. <laughs> uh, it's not like as crazy, like as you would think from like the guy who plays Rafi, but it's, it's just a nice road trip movie and I think that everyone should watch it. It's there's not much more I can tell you about it. <laughs> Is it like planes, trains, and automobiles at all? Uh, I would say kind of, yeah, kind of, but not as heartfelt as that. Um, it has its moments, but it definitely isn't like doesn't have its moments where trains, planes, trains, and automobiles has that like heart wrenching moment in it. Like, oh, oh. Yeah. like but yeah, it, it's similar to it. 
Okay. I feel like similar, I've seen it but, when I scrolled. Yeah, similar. Yes, you probably have. Because I'm guessing it's just Jason Manzoukas's face, and his face is very recognizable with his crazy hair and beard. <laughs> he is pretty crazy. Ugh. I've never he's heard like of one it. Of my, he's like one of my favorite, like funny people. Oh, he's great. He, I, he plays an amazing douchebag. <laughs> I like yeah. him, but sometimes he's just like, we need talks literally, literally. Like he just sometimes he, he gets on my nerves, shit. but That's the I know, I know it's part of his shtick. Yeah. He's, he's really funny. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I loved him in the league and I love him in the other things too that he's done. And then uh, how did this get made? Him and Paul Shear and June Raphael yeah. Davis, like, uh, Rayfield Davis. They are excellent together. So uh, I would not mind checking that out. And I like Tony Revoli. Rev- Rev- I think it's Revoli. Yeah. He's the guy from um, Grand Budapest Hotel and Spider Man, yeah. Far From Home and Away Home and whatever, Homecoming. So he's a good, he's a good actor. Sweet. Ooh. I dig it. Yeah. Digging it. Eric, what do you got on your number two? Well, do you happen to like Team America World Police? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so are you super into like puppetry and things of this nature? No. It's what no. I do in all my free time. Good. That's, I mean, we knew this already about you. This is well established that Tom is like a puppet freak. That's uh, right. Let me tell you about The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance on Netflix. Now, this is, I, I went back and forth on adding this one in here because this got some some critical acclaim to it, but it died an early, early death, way too early death. It is very briefly. It's, it's a, it's a prequel to the 1982 Jim Henson movie, the dark crystal. Um, it explores the world of Thra. Uh, it follows the story of three Gelflings, uh, Rian, Deet and Brea as they journey together on a quest to unite the Gelfling clans, rise against the tyrannical Skeksis and save Thra from a destructive blight known as the darkening. Now it came out, uh, in August of 2019, and it had, like I said, critical acclaim. But by September 2020, it was announced that the series was canceled after one season. Now, this is a series that had an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. The average audience score is actually 94. It's just the production was so expensive. The puppets are like some of them required multiple people to operate, like inside huge suits. The 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 puppets, the the scenery, everything was handcrafted and beautifully done by the Jim Henson Company. Um, so the production costs were pretty high and then 2020 happened and it kind of killed the production for a lot of people for a lot. But I, I, as I understand it, a lot of it, they, they didn't get, I think some, some decisions were made, like they didn't get kind of the, the, the viewership that they wanted, which is why I added it to the list here of this is a show that absolutely deserved a second season and a third season. I mean, it had Taron Egerton in it. I know you're a fan of him. Uh, Jason Isaacs, Simon Pegg, Benedict Wong, Mark Hamill, Keegan-Michael Key, Aquafina, Eddie Izzard, Lena Headey was in it, Natalie Dormer, Mark Strong. I mean, it, the cast is incredible, and it's a fun and interesting and deep and entertaining story as well. These uh, 10 episodes, this is on, what I say, it was on Netflix. Um, it's uh, it, it's something that I, I would hope that if it gets enough viewership, if, it, if they get enough clicks and views that... Maybe, maybe, maybe they could justify a second season. I, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, it's not like the economy's gotten a hell of a lot better. But hey, what are you, gonna, <laughs> what are you going to do? The, the, the beast must be fed. Uh, did you guys see Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance on Netflix? I did, I did, I did not. Not. I never <laughs> yes. liked the Dark Crystal growing up because I was scared of it. I, I also I, didn't it, like it. My mom loved that movie, and I. That's just what I'm was saying. Like, nope. I it was terrifying like it. when we were kids. It was that's what I'm saying. It's not it's not the Muppets. It's deep, man. It's it's some deep shit. Yeah, it's uh there's some brutally violent and scary shit in it, man. It's so much cooler as an adult, I promise. Go back and give it a watch. Um I'm literally begging you to watch Dark Dark Crystal Age of Resistance on Netflix. Whoa. Fine. I am literally begging you. Wow. Watch the first episode, you'll be hooked. Mm-hmm. Do what I tell you. Okay, Zach, you're <laughs> sweet. So um, I am jumping to Amazon Prime for my next one, and I stumbled upon this from a YouTuber that I really like when they talked about their some of their best films of 2019. So I opened this movie up, and I was in completely hooked. I shouldn't have been hooked on paper, but I was completely hooked. 
and it ended so wonderfully. So here's a synopsis. One night in New Mexico in the late 1950s, a switchboard operator and radio DJ discover a strange audio frequency which could change the future forever. And this movie is called The Vast of Night. So this is a movie that uh, is a love letter to the Twilight Zone. I am a big Twilight Zone fan. And so basically what happens is the radio DJ uh, and his apprentice, his friend, whatever she may be, because it's a small town in New Mexico, they take a call on the air from somebody who's like, I saw something in the sky and had there like I was driving over the road and I just I saw something in the sky. And then the mystery kind of unfolds from there where him and the gal start figuring out what's going on. And they take other calls from an ex-military guy who's he's like, I'm not supposed to tell you this. Like, I this could get me killed. But they used to do experiments here, here and here. And it is a very slow burn. But at the same time, it's done masterfully well. Um, it is a movie that is very, very heavy dialogue driven. So it's not going to be an action packed spectacle. You're not going to see, you know, big Michael Bay explosions. You have to be ready and patient uh, to sit for an hour and a half and just kind of watch what happens. But if you are a sci fi fan, if you are a fan of creepy Twilight Zone stuff, you will love The Vast of Night. It is available on Amazon Prime, and I highly recommend it for anybody. It is a very low-budget film. The people who are in it, it's their first movie, pretty much. But uh, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, after looking it up, I I have also gone past this several times. <laughs> I know that I recognize the, the cover art that I just looked up, and I've never stopped on it. <laughs> are you a fan of Twilight Zone? Yes, I am. So it's, I mean, it literally starts out just in that same way, where it's like on a TV sort of thing, uh, but it's it's... It's a very talk heavy film and it's an auditory wonder to to listen to and, and to watch. Um, so I would definitely recommend for anybody who's also just a sci fi fan or an alien fan, because it gets pretty, pretty harrowing there towards the end. And you wouldn't think it would be. But man, it's intense. All right. I have no familiarity whatsoever. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <I was> <laughs> oh, nothing well, to add. I, yeah, I guess we'll just move on to my next one. And All right. my third one, I was actually deciding between two movies with the same actor in it and i dropped one off but the one that i went with was in 2008 and it's on hbo max and it's bronson um so this is the biopic of charles bronson not the actor <laughs> the U uk the what is it the uh he's the most dangerous criminal or something like that. Um, he's been in and out of jail a bunch and now he's just there. Um, he is a terrifying man who just kind of has moments of rage that are terrifying. Um, this is the first movie I ever saw Tom Hardy in um, where he hangs dong like a champ. Um, <laughs> he's all oiled up and ready to fight. Um, and I, I was hooked to this movie because he was so engaging and just like, I've always been a fan of Tom Hardy. I've never disliked anything he's been in. He's the greatest. I thought his Bane was great, by the way. I don't understand why everyone was complaining about it. Um, but yeah, it's a great movie about a terrible person or also kind of a misunderstood person too. Um, but also a very violent criminal uh, I know that Charles Bronson saw the film and said, Tom Hardy was great. That was perfect. Like, like, and when you get the person who you're doing it about says thumbs up to you, you gotta have a good movie. Sounds good to me. Have you ever seen Locke, Tom? Yes. That was the movie that I dropped off. <laughs> okay. Well, Locke is the other Tom Hardy movie. Yeah. Locke is. So if you liked Locke, I think you'd like the vast of night because Locke is one of those films that literally Tom Hardy's the only actor. There are voices, but they're uncredited. He's the one that the entire movie and Eric, if you haven't seen it, the, the premise of the movie is it is a man who's driving from uh, London to another place and it takes him a good hour and 20 minutes or whatever. And the entire film is him having conversations over his uh, car speakerphone uh, with his wife, with uh, with his boss, with uh, his friend. Things are going on, and you see the entire 
spectrum of, of, of how a life can be completely ruined through this whole, you know, 80 minutes. And it's so utterly well acted by Tom Hardy that I was, I was blown away. I didn't think I could, I could be captivated watching a movie about a guy driving a car and having conversations on the phone, (laughs) but he does a fantastic job. It's heartbreaking at times. And you're also just kind of so overwhelmed at, at moments too. So yeah, I think Locke is incredible. I have not seen Bronson, but I know, and I've heard a lot and that kind of put Tom Hardy on the map. Yeah. Yeah. It's where he got, well, it's not where he got started. He got started on like what was it was uh, what Band of Brothers was like one of his first things on HBO. I believe I'm not sure he might have been in that. He was in some other things, but yeah, he was in uh, Star Trek Nemesis was yep. another one. Yep. Yeah, he was. The, he was the bad guy, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. The bad guy. The so bad. good choice. Yeah, Bronson. I've I've never seen it, but I I've heard really good things about it. And um, mm-hmm. it's constantly on a lot of lists that I I see on my YouTube channels and stuff. All right. Well, Eric, what do you got? Well, my number three, uh, I'll tell you a show that we talk about a lot on our uh, D&D sessions. Uh, Me and Chad, we talk about Shorzy a lot. Uh, Shorzy has a 100% rating on the tomato meter. Um, But there's a reason for it. Uh, Its predecessor, Letterkenny, doesn't even have enough to have an average audience score. Letter Kenny is my number three. Letter Kenny is uh, it's <laughs> starring and made by Jared Kiso, Canadian actor, uh, Canadian actors all the way through. Uh, it shows a side of Canada nobody talks about. It shows the the agriculture uh, side of Canada. It is based in the little farm town, little tiny farm town of Letter Kenny, fictional town, Letter Kenny, Ontario, about five thousand people. And I guess what it originated was there was a YouTube. It was like a YouTube skit comedy uh, duo that where they would uh, talk about the fictional members of the town and their happenings and whatever have you. And it, it got so popular that he, Jared Kiso and his buddy made a show out of it. Um, it was on Crave TV. I guess I don't know what that is or where Crave TV is, but it's uh, it's on Hulu now. So um, it is a there's short episodes, only 22 minutes, serialized comedy. Um, it is a gem because I just not, uh, I, well, not enough people know about it. Like I said, it doesn't have a, it doesn't even have, I'm um, looking at the Rotten Tomatoes right now. Uh, it has an average audience score of 84%, but the average tomato meter is, it's not enough ratings to calculate a score. That's criminal. Letter Kenny is hysterical, hysterical. Uh, it's, uh, it, it is, it's very difficult to describe. It's one of those shows you just have to go see. Uh, it is, you it's it's subversive it's 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 subversively feminist it's subversively uh um inclusive for rural characters which is just adds to the humor uh and it's you know how in high school you had the different cliques or you got your jocks and you got your you know whatever game whatever have you letter kenny is a lot like that and the the main character and and his uh, his group, they're part of the Hicks, right? Because they're farmers. But then you've also got the Skids. They're the druggies, uh, artsy, artsy druggies people. And then uh, you've got the Degens, the degenerates, the people who, you know, the racists and the, the, the foul people. They're called Degens. And anyway, uh, they're fighting a lot of fighting, a lot of fist fights, a lot of a lot of silly drinking and fist fights in the show. So uh, Letter Kenny is very funny. Uh, it's a specific kind of humor, I think. But uh, I enjoy it quite a lot, and its spinoff show Shorzy, also written and starring Jared Kiso, is hysterical and has a 100% tomato meter, and it's deserving. It's such a good show, but the reason there's a Shorzy is because there was a Letter Kenny. So Shorzy was a bit uh, bit character on Letter Kenny, and then he got a spinoff. He got his own show. So, so check out Letter Kenny I- on Hulu. So I have never seen Letterkenny, but this is what I would say is I would wager that it's not a hidden gem because you're you're not the only person that has raved about it. I know tons of people who talked about it. Um, and then same thing with Reddit and Twitter and stuff. I'm always seeing Letterkenny posts. Um, they have 10 seasons, actually, and then enough to create a spinoff with Shorzy. I've heard Shorzy is also good. 
Uh, I Source definitely need to, definitely need to check it out, but I would almost wager that that's not really a hidden gem, not to rain on your parade or anything, but I would almost wager that that's not really a hidden gem because it's so like I'm checking right now and it's an 8.7 on IMDb and that's pretty goddamn good. Um, so it's really good. So I know a lot of people that have watched it and and just have talked. I don't. About it, I know so. like two people. I know two people <laughs> who have watched it. I yeah. So. It's a hidden and gem I, and for I go, you. And I, it's a hidden yeah. gem. Like I said, it's got no score on Rotten Tomatoes. So I can't stand. I don't. I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes, anyways. But um, yeah, it's it's and, and not to not to disagree with you necessarily, but that is what we do on this podcast as well, or yeah, we try to we do. sometimes. Uh, is that I know a lot of people that that watch it, and for me, I'm like I will get into it at a certain point, but. If it's only if they're only 22 minute episodes and there's like what six episodes a season that's not too bad. I can I can jump into something like No, that. you or can eight you can fly right through in no time and and see them all, dude. Yeah, and, and I've so heard cool. I've heard great things about it. So it's mm-hmm. I would never say anything negative about it. I just for me I'm like I don't know if that's necessarily a hidden gem in my opinion, but I get it. I totally get it. Get it. Okay, what is a hidden gem in your opinion? Ooh, I got plenty. Oh. So this one started out as a hidden gem. So this one you could also argue. But have either of you seen Hunt for the Wilder People? No. No. Do you know what the Hunt for the Wilder People is? I'm a. I don't really know the plot, but I know it's a, a Tiki Watiti. Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi, the (laughs) famous director of Thor, uh, Ragnarok, Thor, Love and Thunder, Love and Thunder, Love and Thunder, uh, Jojo Rabbit, and What We Do in the Shadows. This is his fourth movie, and it is an utter delight of a film. I absolutely love this movie. Uh, What is it streaming on? I will check right now. It is streaming on Netflix as well. It's... So the premise and who it stars, Sam Neill, so Mr. Mr. Uh, Alan Grant from Jurassic Park, and then Julian Dennison, who you might not recognize him for many things. He was in Deadpool, Deadpool 2, and then I think Godzilla mm-hmm. vs. Kong. But what happens is he is an orphan in New Zealand, because Taika Waititi is from New Zealand, and he goes out to the bush to live with uh, some foster parents, basically his, his, his aunt and uncle, I think is what they technically are. And they love him and or his aunt at least loves him, but his uncle Sam Neill is kind of a curmudgeon. And then the aunt dies and uh, Julian. Well, his name's not Julian, but his name is Ricky Baker. He decides to try to go off on his own into the, the New Zealand bush, which is incredibly stupid. And all this kind of crazy fun stuff happens. And it's such a heartwarming story. And we've seen it done before with an old man who refuses to change and a good kid who's, funny and stupid, completely opposites. I'm looking at you, the the movie up looking at Logan. I'm looking at the Mandalorian, same kind of premise, right? But it's Taika Waititi comedy and it's done so goddamn well that I think you guys would love the hell out of it. It's just ridiculous. And it's, it's, it's a movie that I think, you know, there's not really anything too sad that happens in it, but you just get very warm hearted when you watch it. And it's, it's the, the typical Taika Waititi humor. But it, it's on Netflix. Highly, highly recommend it. Another one of his I highly recommend is What We Do in the Shadows. Um, so good. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. It's 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 a different movie than What We Do in the Shadows. It's not like a documentary. Well, yeah, it's it's just done so beautifully well. Plus, it shows you the the absolute gorgeous landscape that is New Zealand. And I highly recommend anybody who hasn't been to New Zealand, go to New Zealand because it's absolutely incredible. Uh, I don't know why I haven't watched it because I, I love all of his other movies. But whenever I go past it on Netflix, it's just like, eh, maybe later. And Tom, it's been maybe later for like five years. It Tom seems like. and Eric, actually, I think both of you would really like this movie. It 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 just screams like warm hearted. And if you're in it kind of a weird mood, I think both of you would be like, oh, I just it hugged my heart a little bit. Oh, Oh, my heart. Oh, it feels so good. Well, I mean, if you want it to feel uh, even better, you can watch Hunt for the Wilder People on Netflix. I think I will now. I will finally stop on it and go, yes, I will watch this movie. <laughs> oh, cool. Boy. Well, Tom, give us your fourth. Okay, so so my fourth, uh, I, it's... It's not actually on anything streaming right now, so I kind of cheated. But it's gone on and off streaming 
over the years. So I was like, ah, it'll be back on there eventually. And I'm also going to Canada, kind of like Eric did, with uh, Todd and the Book of Pure Evil, which is a Canadian TV show. It has two seasons. Uh, it also doesn't have a Rotten Tomatoes, but has an 8.2 on IMDb. Um, so it is a TV show about Todd, who is a like a metalhead stoner in high school, and he comes upon a book of pure evil. <laughs> and each episode, the book kind of goes around the high school, basically, to a new person. And it's kind of like a monkey monkey's paw sort of situation where they kind of make, you know, they want something, but it goes terribly wrong. And Todd is like the one destined to stop it. So every episode, him and his crew are trying to stop this terrible thing that's happening in each episode that the book of pure evil has brought upon them and it's just a, a fun show about an evil book and those are the best types of shows guys <laughs> it sounds when you're explaining it you're like it's about todd and he finds a book of pure evil i'm like that's the name of the movie or the main name of the show <laughs> i see where they got it from oh my god uh, i've ne- but yeah, never heard uh, of this i i found it on netflix probably like six years ago and watched it and loved it. And then it's just kind of popped up here and there. Uh, I really wanted to come back cause I do want to watch it again. Um, it got canceled after season two. And then I think there's like an animated, like short movie to kind of wrap things up that I haven't gotten around to watching. And I, yeah. I want to watch the show again before I watch that. So it's called the, the end of the end. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I did. I've, yeah, I've never heard of it, Tom. It is only two dollars on Amazon, uh, t- or on Apple TV if you want to buy the movie. But uh, it's, it doesn't look like it's streaming, so I'll have to look out for that. And at the at the start of each month, that's usually when streaming platforms uh, recycle their lists, and you mm-hmm. can and refresh them, and you can see what's streaming. So if it's available, I have to check it out. The premise sounds ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> Oh boy, that book of pure evil. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, Eric, are you a book of pure evil? I am a He's, living, breathing book of pure evil. He screams pure evil. It's true. Well, how about you give us your number four? <laughs> well, my number four, uh, you mentioned documentaries, <clears throat> documentaries as a, uh, a possibility on here. And I, I feel like this is a real cheat because this wouldn't count for me as a hidden gem. I'm going to go with the entire 30 for 30 series uh, oh, from ESPN nice. yeah. because the 30, I just feel like documentaries don't get, <laughs> they don't get enough love and they don't get enough in general uh, and sports documentaries. That's a super niche <laughs> group of folks who are going to sit there and watch uh, a sports documentary. But one of the beautiful things about sports, because we're all three of us sports fans, is there's a deep and abiding and wonderful human element to it. It's fathers and sons and, and, and families and, 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 and heartbreak and hope, uh, permanent hope, even in the face of overwhelming odds. I'm not, I swear I'm not talking about the upcoming Seahawks season. I promise you. And it goes so many, it goes so f- much further than that. And these, some of the best stories are stories that don't come to the fore until much, much, much later after they happen. Um, 30 for 30 is a great documentary series that has certain episodes. Like my, I think my personal favorite is called the pony excess. And this was about the SMU college football team and that they were a national powerhouse. Now, if you don't know who SMU is, there's a reason for that. (laughs) SMU in the early eighties were a, they were a national powerhouse they had great players that went to the nfl and 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 were famous all over the country but there's a reason they were able to get all those players the pony excess highlights how they cheated so badly paying players and all that other stuff uh that they lost the football program the ncaa had to shut down the program for two years which is a death the death penalty they're the only program in college football to ever get the death penalty. And the program did not recover for like 20 years or more, 20, 25 years. It killed it. It was a national powerhouse that died 
because of the death penalty. So it's it's something that still hangs over and all that. But I guess one of the big lessons from the Pony Excess is that they say at the end that, hey, as long as they're keeping score at the end of the day, teams are going to cheat to get players on their roster. <laughs> it's gross. It's some of the stuff that they did will just make you sick to your stomach. And some of it will make you go, hell, maybe that kid deserved that money. You know, <laughs> the school's certainly making money off of them. Right. Shouldn't he get a little bit of a cut and his family get taken care of, you know, so it, it definitely plays to, to both sides of that. Um, Elway to Marino is a story of the 1984 draft or 83 draft. I should say that uh, uh, Elway was the number one overall pick and Marino, I think was the 27th pick that year. And they both had the same agent. So the story came about how they were drafted. It really showed the background of how the NFL draft became what it is today. It used to be just something that, you know, people would read about in the paper. They wouldn't turn on TV to watch it. This was like the first time that people really did that and it became huge. So now it's this huge uh, festival every year, right? It's, 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 it's NFL fan Christmas, right? Uh, this is really where that started. Uh, it's a wonderful episode. You should definitely see that the silly little game is the exact same thing, but for fantasy sports, it's the birth of, of rotisserie baseball and how it led into fantasy football and how, the people who invented it made like not a dime off of it. Uh, but it showed the, the growth of just how, you know, people nerd out over sports. And then once brothers is a story of, uh, well, it's how the NBA has become a global sport. And it's some of the first international players to make an impact were of uh, Vladivak and Drazen Petrovic. And they were closer as close could possibly get, but, when the Yugoslav wars kicked off, they found their families on opposing sides and they had a falling out, a bad falling out, a tragic falling out. And then Petrovic died in a car accident when he was 28 and they, they never had a chance to reconcile. And it's just a really sad documentary, but it's so important to watch. Um, and that's the beauty of these documentaries is that they really tear open that it's so much deeper than sports. There's this, wonderful human element that's sad and joyful and 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 heartbreaking and celebratory and euphoric and and that's 30 for 30 really does a really great job cracking open all of these stories uh, and shed new light on the things that maybe you were familiar with at the time but it gives you a whole new appreciation for these events so check out the 30 for 30 episodes i mentioned and go find some others uh they're all great all of them they're all on ESP. They're all on ESPN Plus. There are some on Di on Disney Plus because uh, Disney owns ESPN as well. Uh, I love Thirty for Thirties. I've seen damn near all of them. Two Escobars without bias. Run Ricky Run. Uh, Birth of Big Air. Jordan rides a bus. Little Big Men's a really good one that hits close yes, it here because it's yep. Kirkland. Um, and then everything from the new season to the Chasing Tyson, uh, the Chicago Bulls one, which was like four seasons, like Bulls versus Celtics was excellent. Um, yeah, they just, and then Dream On about the the miracle, or the Dream Team, I should say, is is, is another yeah. fantastic one. So highly recommend them for anybody. If you have not seen 30 for 30, uh, if you have an ESPN Plus subscription, you can yeah. see every single one available there. Or Disney Plus has like, some episodes but some should have all frankly yeah they're not as good the 85 bears is another really good one too with ditka and then uh the other even if you're not a, even if you're not a sports fan if you just love human interest stories they're great yeah and that's the they're beauty so of it that's the beauty of it is it's not even about it's not even about the sports necessarily like the sports are in the background almost it's the right. foreground is is the humanity and the people behind it right. um uh there was another one called catching hell about um, Steve Bartman, the guy who yes. caught the foul ball uh, during the Chicago Cubs run in the Ugh. 90s against the the Mets. And it was it was a huge one of the early 2000s, I should say. It's absolutely heartbreaking to watch that this poor man became a scapegoat for a team that had so many things go wrong and they blamed it on him. And it's just it's a lot. But um, I absolutely love it. So, yes, great choice. 30 for 30. Thank you. All right. What about you, sir? What about your number four? I know we're kind of cutting up on time here. So no worries. Speed it up a little bit. Sorry about that. Uh, I got a little long. No, minute. that's great. That's great. <laughs> I, I dig it. So I will jump uh, to mine then really quick. So what I have for my fourth pick is a little movie that I did on my podcast, the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Another very, very good feel good movie. It is called Sing Street. 
and it is about a boy growing up in Dublin during the 1980s who escapes his strained family life by starting a band to impress this mysterious girl he likes. John Carney directed it. I enjoy John Carney. He's done other uh, musical films such as Once, uh, Begin Again, and On the Edge. It is the ultimate quintessential, in my opinion, feel-good movie. It's a coming-of-age story about a 13... Or no, I'm sorry. He's probably like 15-year-old kid, maybe, who falls in love with this girl, and he just latches onto her and wants to impress the shit out of her. And it takes place in the 80s, in 80s Dublin, Ireland. So goddamn good. The music in it is is unreal. It has an incredible soundtrack. It's only an hour and a half long. It's like the perfect type of I want to feel good tonight movie. It's an hour and 46 minutes. I want to feel good tonight movie and just put it on and watch it. And holy buckets, it's good. I enjoyed the hell out of it. That is available on Canopy. Canopy is K-A-N-O-P-Y. And you can get Canopy for free if you have a local library card. You just enter your library uh, information and it has a plethora of movies streaming for free. They are some of the greatest ever because it has all the A24 films. Uh, but Sing Street's not an A24 film, but I highly recommend it for anybody who has not seen it. Have you guys seen it or heard of Sing Street? Nope. No, I'm sorry. That <laughs> completely missed that. Do you guys like totally miss me? Do you like 80s music? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you like Ireland? Yes. Then yeah, I'm pretty, you just pretty okay with it. You you gotta see it. It's such a feel good movie. You it's funny. It's stupid. It, it doesn't. There's drama in it, but it doesn't make you feel bad. You just are so happy in it, and and that's sometimes when you just you're feeling down and you just want to feel happy. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do it. It's uh, it's pretty pretty great, man. Pretty great. Yeah, and it's our, it's, uh, Lucy Boynton is in it. She's married to uh, the freaking Freddie Mercury guy. Um, uh, I can't stand Remy him, Malik? actually. Remy Malik. I can't stand him. But yeah, she's uh, she's married to him, and she's beautiful. She's absolutely incredible in this movie as well, too. All right, then. Sing Street um, on Canopy. On Canopy. Thomas. To get that Canopy. Get Canopy. Uh, so my last one. I really wanted to add it and I was getting worried because like my last one, it wasn't on any streaming. And I was like, oh, I can't put two non-streaming movies on this list. And God that's when I remember YouTube is a thing. And this movie is in its entirety on YouTube. <laughs> um, and it is a documentary and it is called Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold <laughs> story of Canon Films. I love me some bad movies. Yes, you do. Um, Welcome to Frogtown. <laughs> not being by canon. Um, but this is the ultimate bad movie company. Um, it basically goes through the forming of... Well, canon was a, a, a production studio before uh, Yoram Globus and Manaham Golan bought it. And their thing was make movies as quickly as we can. Just come up with anything and just throw it out there. We'll just put as little money into it. And every once in a while, they hit something big. Whether it's like, uh, what was it? Mannequin. That was a, a movie by Canon. Yeah. Highlander. Canon movie. Over Kickboxer, the top, baby. Canon movie. Over the top. And they would have these big movies that would hit for them and just keep them alive. But they would also have movies like American Ninja or Enter the Ninja, or they were the ones who made Superman 4, uh, The Quest for Peace, the worst Superman, <laughs> so good. or Masters of the Universe, the He-Man movie that is atrocious, which fun little thing I found out through this documentary was Dolph Lundgren he said his lines phonetically because he didn't speak English at the time. So he doesn't even have any idea in Masters of the Universe what he is saying. He is just saying things and hoping it goes well. Um, but it's just a great... For everyone who loves bad movies and the people who make them, this is a bad movie factory company. And it is just an, ex I, I watched it today. Well, kind of listened to it today while I was working because I want to rewatch it and it's great. 
they were they would just sell movie rights to movies that weren't even made yet. They would just come up with ideas in pitch meetings at Cannes film festivals and they'd sell it. And then they'd like get on the phone and call someone and be like, we got to make this movie. It's, it's this, this, and this. And oh, it's just so great. It's just the wild west of making movies. Oh, it's so good. You mean you didn't uh, like the, the Canon film tough guys don't dance or King <laughs> Lear or the Hanoi Hilton, or perhaps even number one with a bullet. I mean, those are all classics. They, they're all in the, the Criterion collection. Well, it's, it's also where uh, Chuck Norris got his start. That's when he, his first movies were with Canon where I, uh, it's, I can't remember the name of the movie, but they made the first one and then they realized it was really, really bad. But they had already started filming the second one, thinking we got Chuck Norris, the we got to make as many of these as possible. Not Delta the... Force. Oh, okay. It was like Chuck Norris's first movie, um, and so they were already filming the second one, and the second one was better than the first one. They could already tell, so they actually waited and put out the second one first, and put the first one out second because they wanted to get the audience in with the good one, and then put out the piece of shit. <laughs> and it's just like this is just great. <laughs> Well, and they also made Breakin, and then uh, they followed up with Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo, which is probably how this documentary got the name, about that a movie about breakdancing, which actually, it's pretty fun. And I will say Cobra <laughs> is excellent, and so is Over the Top, and no one can ever talk about how bad Over the Top is, because it's incredible. <laughs> it's, 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 so it's the good. best movie about arm wrestling this side of the Mississippi. No one will ever beat that movie. It is so good. And <laughs> we did it for the Don't Be Crazy podcast, and I absolutely love it. So, yeah, these are these are good choices, Tom. And I, I implore everyone to Google the list of the Canon Group films, and it'll pop up on Wikipedia. And it is a journey to just go through these. There are sometimes it, ten, like 10 or 12 in a year that are popped out. Yeah, they would just uh, – what was it? Uh, some movies, they would like three three weeks – and that includes writing a script and shooting. Like they would just like, boom, it's out of here. We got a script in two days. Get out there and film it. <laughs> their their 80s run is unreal. Like the movies between <laughs> 85 and 89, they have probably 30 films each year. That's crazy stuff. But a lot of those people, it was just a paycheck. A lot of the actors would just go on for a paycheck. Stallone said he hated over the top, but honestly, it's taken on a cult status. And um, it was just a paycheck for him. It was something uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, like... Uh, uh, Charles Bronson doing uh, the Death Wish movies, uh, two, three, four, and five. Apparently, there are five of them, uh, and that's how they basically described him. Was he was just he'd come in, do whatever, and then he'd get like a uh, Jaguar would like take him back to his trailer and take him to the set every day, and just kind of like, yeah, I'm just getting my money. It's so weird. That's a great choice. <laughs> I dig it, Tom. Uh, oh, all right. I think my number five here, we're going a little bit different. Um, this is this is one that uh, I'm going to go with Margin Call on Netflix. Um, Margin Call got. The reason it's a hidden gem is because if you're looking for a Wall Street style, you know, thriller or entertaining movie or show, you're thinking Wolf of Wall Street or Too Big to Fail or The Big Short. Those movies, they ate margin call alive margin call did not have a huge release didn't have a huge like a blockbuster you know sort of feel to it it was it doesn't have a bunch of special effects to it it doesn't um it has a significant budget but it's because the cast is insane um i will say as a warning kevin spacey's in it and he's one of the main guys and for you know i can understand how some people don't want to you know put money in his pocket i get that but it you know if you could set that aside uh, and realize that there are a lot of other great actors in this movie too, who's worked their ass off, who deserve your viewership. I uh, should Zachary Quinto's in it. Jeremy Irons is in it. Paul Bettany, Simon Baker, uh, Demi Moore, Stanley Tucci is in it. Um, there are, it is a hellaciously cool cast. Um, it is about, it's, it's, it's a fictional based on true events story. And, uh, 2008 about how an unnamed investment bank uh, began laying off large number of, of folks and including their uh, risk management uh, uh, head, Eric Dale. Uh, Zachary Quinto's character gets a little flash drive from him as he's on his way out the door being escorted by security saying, well, I'll look into this, but be careful. And he found significant risk 
risk in their uh, mortgage, uh, the way they package mortgages. So you see a lot of this in uh, uh, the big short, right? Um, and it, it goes through it, it, the process of identifying this huge risk and realizing that if they had taken a 25% hit, which is not even like a historically bad day for them, that would cost more than the entire valuation of the entire firm. So all hell breaks loose and everybody comes in and they have a big meeting at night and they decide that they are going to sell it all immediately. First thing, opening bell, they're going to sell it all, right? And the idea, uh, uh, the reason this is so interesting is not because, uh, and like I said, it's based on true stories, so you know they're going to do something horrible, <laughs> right? This is not a spoiler. It's just the idea is that they're going to move this product and they explore through conversation, through dialogue, the different moral and business uh decision-making aspects that go into why they would do this, why they would make this choice and who should they care about, right? With the big short, obviously it's like, well, the people are getting fucked. Everybody's getting fucked. Oh my God, these people have to go to jail. Everybody's going to go to jail. And then at the end, it's like, mm, womp womp, nobody's going to jail, <laughs> except for like <laughs> one guy who did a shitty job hiding it, right? Um, so obviously that had it. Whereas margin call, yes, there's a lot of that, like, shouldn't we warn people is this really the right thing to do and then there's like the answer to that is right for who who do we work for <laughs> who you know you have so and then uh, jeremy irons has a great like pro capitalism speech at the end and like there's the there's there's a lot of imagery a lot of symbolism in it um it's a wonderful movie i i highly recommend it it's streaming on netflix you can go check it out uh like i said it's called margin call i highly recommend it it's not that long of a movie yeah, I've not seen it, but I am a huge fan of uh, Wall Street style films because it's just a, a whole language that I am not familiar with. So yeah. like Wolf of Wall Street and such. But actually, my favorite one is um, uh, The Big Short. And that yeah. one is unreal. A Michael Lewis book, basically. But uh, that is it's hard to follow at times, but they explain it pretty goddamn well. Mm -hmm. They break the fourth wall and explain it well. Margin Call mm -hmm. is also one of those ones that I've heard about that it's like, this is not very far off from the kind of shit that you see in big businesses and fortune 500 companies and uh, right. on, on wall street. So, right. Like I said, it's ba it is based on actual events. And what I love about the movie is that like, there's no sci-fi, there's no huge, like amazing filming on location and some exotic, whatever. It's not like a huge, it's nothing like that. Like their budget was uh, like three and a half million, you know, and they made 19 and a half the box office. It wasn't like a huge movie, but let me read that cast again. Kevin Spacey, Zachary Quinto, Jeremy Irons, Paul Bettany, Simon Baker, Demi Moore, Stanley Tucci, etc. It's in, it's incredible. They invested in actors and writers, and that's what I, that's one of the things I appreciate about that movie. Um, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely quite a cast, and it's one of those Aaron Sorkin style movies. Aaron Sorkin didn't do it, but uh, it's a, it's, right. a, it's a talky movie. But they, if you like those, then people will love it. It's, it's very good. If you like those talkies, you oh, definitely yeah. watch that movie. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a talkie guy. I I'm, I'm so fan am I. of it. So good choice. All right. Thanks. Cool. All right. So for my final one, it is another heartwarming film because I like to watch heartwarming films. I also love horror movies, but this one is not a horror movie. Uh, Nick Offerman is in this movie and it is, uh, it also stars Kiersey Clemens and it was directed by Brett Holly. It's called hearts beat loud. Have either of you heard of hearts beat loud or seen it? Uh, no, I not seen at all. It. So Tom has seen it and Tom, is it good? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is excellent. So basically, it's a father and daughter who start a uh, a band together. Uh, Nick Offerman is a aging. Well, he is aged. He's a vintage record store owner in Brooklyn who used to be a musician, and he is taking care of his daughter. He's a single parent. His daughter is going off to college. So the summer before she goes off to college in Los Angeles or somewhere in California, he wants to not lose his his baby girl right so uh they decide to they decide to start a band because they both have their musical passions and they 
turn their weekly jam sessions into a father daughter live act and they record a song and it's called hearts beat loud. Uh, they record it, they put it on Spotify and it actually becomes a very big internet breakout song. So they kind of embark on this journey throughout the film of love growing and, and musical discovery. And it's so wonderfully done. Nick Offerman acts his ass off. And that guy for as funny as he is, is so good at being a dad and being dramatic that I absolutely fell in love with him. He's, he does a great job in it. Tony Collette's in it. Blythe Danner, Sasha Lane, Ted Danson. It is freaking fantastic. It's also streaming on Canopy, Canopy with a K, K A N O P Y. Uh, I totally love it. And Nick Offerman just, he looks like he belongs in the Red Hook area of Brooklyn. He, he looks like a former musician who would own a record store. And the song is incredibly catchy as well, too. Very LCD sound system, if you guys know who that is. Uh, very much that that vibe. But I highly recommend Hearts Beat Loud. It's really good. Yeah, you guys should just download Canopy anyways with your with your library cards. It's it's excellent. And they have so many good yeah. documentaries on it. So um, cool. And uh, just to reiterate or recap all the streaming services that are technically available, the major ones. So you got your Netflix, your Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, uh, Peacock, Paramount Plus, which is trash, um, Stars, AMC Plus. Uh, what else am I missing here? Canopy, like we said, and then Tubi and Shutter. Those are some other ones. Uh, do you guys can you think of any other streaming services? I think it's pretty much Crunchyroll is one, but that's on HBO. ESPN Max Plus, as well. ESPN Plus, and yeah, you can bundle that with Disney Plus, which I forgot. You can bundle that yeah. with Disney Plus and Hulu, and it's all kind of one big nice uh, thing. Apple TV. Yeah, Apple TV uh, has Apple TV Plus has some good stuff too. Nothing that I really, I mean, most of those shows since they're so limited, everyone's watching them like severance. Everyone's talking about C yeah. everyone's talking about. So those aren't really, in my opinion, hidden gems. They don't really have enough that you can yeah. really dig yeah. around for, but they do have some good shit on there. They have about 10 shows and they're all good. <laughs> I like it. Good list. You guys. Yeah. You guys see uh, uh, South Park, the streaming wars. Not yet. I need uh, to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. After <laughs> to the audience, after you're done, with this go to paramount plus which is the only place you can see it and go see the streaming wars yeah i start uh, i think i started it a while ago and i thought that was really funny so well let me do a rundown of what everyone needs to go watch mm-hmm. uh thomas had creep on netflix the long dumb road also on netflix bronson on hbo max todd in the book of pure evil which is not technically streaming but probably will come back to netflix and electric boogaloo which you can watch on youtube uh, Eric had The Legend of Vox Machina on Amazon Prime, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance on Netflix, Letterkenny on Netflix, uh, 30 for 30 on ESPN Plus, and Margin Call also on Netflix. Uh, Zach had I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson on Netflix, uh, The Vast Night on Amazon Prime, Hunt of the Winter People on Netflix, Wilder Sing people. Street, Wilder People, eh, whatever. Sing Street on Canopy and Hearts Beat Loud on Canopy also. Pretty good list. I will watch most of this. So, uh, I, I think uh, we can wrap this up, guys. Yeah, I think so. Alrighty. Thank you for tuning in to Top 5 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast Top 5, at ZachDeal60, at TomTop5, and at SnackBurglar, where you can give us ideas, tell us if we are crazy, or even suggest a topic for a future episode. Yeah, change my Twitter handle. If you enjoyed today's episode, we know you did. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Thank you all, and remember, it's okay to be wrong, even though you think you're right. The greatest secrets are always hidden in the most unlikely places. Mr. Roll Doll. Mm-hmm. All right, see ya. <laughs> Later, Bye. guys. Bye.